Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. I'm not gonna lie to you, I've been so excited for today's episode and today's guest. So excited, in fact, that when I came down today, my wife looked at me and she's like, why are you all dressed up? You got your Jordans on, you look ready to go. Are you even leaving the house? I said, well, I'm not leaving the house, but I'm interviewing Dina Bari, the CMO of StockX. Now, if you don't know StockX, it is the next generation of e-commerce. It's a place that we can go to exchange goods and buy goods in almost a very different stock-like experience. Now, I've bought things like Jordan 1s. I've bought different running shoes there. You can buy apparel, you can buy NFTs. I learned today you can even buy Lego in chatting with Dina. But we chat about this idea of disruption and how content can play such a key role in that. Dina gives great examples of content they've created that's more data-minded, as well as content that's more emotional, like some videos where they've highlighted maybe less popular, but really interesting people. And all this comes back to this idea of creating a culture. And that's what StockX is doing. And there's so much that we can learn today. I know on the surface, you may say, this is a consumer company, but this is a considered purchase. This is one where we really think about what we want to invest in and what type of culture we want to join. That's why I'm excited for you to hear my chat with Dina right now. Welcome to the podcast. I am really excited to have you here. I'm a StockX fan. Typically, I'd want to just ask you your favorite shoes, but we're going to start with how did you become the CMO of this rocket ship of a company? Hi, Randy. Thanks for having me. Um, Well, the story of how I got to StockX is like a lot of stories, I assume, for many of us, and it's through a relationship, right? I knew somebody who was involved with the company and who, knowing me, thought that it would be a great fit. Uh, the company had never had a chief marketing officer before, so it was quite exciting to be uh, creating this role. You know, I would say after spending significant time with our CEO and some of our founding team and going through, of course, a, a t- typical interview process, but really looking for that fit and for that sort of quality of team um, as well as quality of opportunity, it turned out to be um you know, a great, a great fit for me and a great opportunity for all of us. So. So I'm curious, a a lot of people always say that they want to have a passion for where they work and you've worked with, with some amazing brands, companies like Birchbox, where definitely got to be a passion project there. But I'm curious, was shoes always a passion for you? Because earlier in your career, you worked at Reebok from what I can see. Yes. Yes. It is in so many ways a full circle job because I'm sort of selling again the kind of product that I sold in my first marketing job. But also I would say outside of the specific product category, my passion is around disruptive consumer facing business models that are powered by technology. And you'll see that thread if you look back on my journey, my career journey, that is a thread Uh, and certainly is true for StockX where the company is innovating the way that consumers interact with the current culture products. And so, you know, not only product type, but also model and and technology. How do you 
think back to your journey and you, when you made that jump, because not not to take anything away from Reebok, I'm sure you learned a ton there, but not disruptive in many ways, yes. other than a very cool brand. But what was it about the market or an opportunity that you had that said, I want to be in this more disruptive go-to-market pattern? Yes. I mean, I think often our paths are, it's more like leapfrogs, not just a single jump to that sort of ideal role. And for me, one jump that I made was to get out of banking into marketing because I realized that that was um, a field that really resonated with me. And then um, after spending a few years in marketing at Reebok, I made my next big jump, which was exactly as you suggested from a more traditional brand environment um, to a technology-driven startup environment. And um, part of what drove me to make that second leap to startups was the pace, a craving for a faster pace of change, um, a bigger appetite for experimentation and trying things and potentially failing. And also personally, I wanted to be uh, in a smaller pond. I think often in a, you know, early in your career, you can be in a big pond and the training and the learning opportunities are tremendous, but there's a very different kind of opportunity to learn and leave your fingerprints when you're in a small pond, like a startup, um, and where every person has to contribute um, in a, at a different level. So those are some of the reasons why I sought out uh, technology-driven startups. And then that really set me on the path that I'm, that I'm on today. So let, let's bring it back to StockX today. This is such an exciting company. I, I confess to you before we went live that you know I got into it through my son, and yeah. now I am hooked as well. For those who don't know StockX, what can you buy there in general, other than running shoes for those who don't know? Yes. So StockX is the leading marketplace for consuming and trading current culture. And current culture encompasses everything from sneakers, apparel, trading cards, Legos, other collectibles, um, art prints, electronics. So these are items that really represent what our next gen consumer is living, breathing, obsessing over and um, pulling into their lives to express who they are. So that's those are the types of things that we sell. That's the spot that we occupy in the market. And I will say that often it is our kids. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I talk to the folks and they're like, oh yeah, my my kid, my teenager is obsessed with StockX. So you are not alone, Randy. Well, I, I mean, for everyone listening, I got my first pair of Jordan 1s to be cool in my son's eyes and then very quickly fell into the trap of feeling cool myself and wanting yet another pair and another pair. Uh, so it, it is contagious. Let's talk a little bit more about culture. And, and I like the words that you use there. It's, you know, you're, you're really curating culture in many ways. How do you connect that to the way you're building a team and the way you're leading? Because obviously you've got to have a cool factor yourself to lead this, but you need a team that's thinking forward, thinking disruptively. Where have you curated your own team? Yes. Well, I would say my personal cool factor, you know, is not is not <laughs> record setting, but I definitely uh, spend a lot of time learning from the consumer and from my own team um, who are younger and cooler and smarter than I am. And I think actually that desire and willingness to learn and listen from the market is critical when you're in a space like this in, in current culture and trying to have um, a leading position with a next-gen consumer who's so discerning and who moves so quickly. 
Um, so, you know, one of the things that we do with a lot of intention is customer listening and research and um, gleaning insights from everything from social media to um, explicit survey work to like discord conversations. I mean, we're constantly customer service inbounds. We're constantly looking under all the rocks for insights from our customer. Uh, we're also we also do a lot of just immersion in the market, right? We are, for example, right now we have a team in Copenhagen um, at the Copenhagen Open, which is one of the premier skate events globally. And our team is in market, not just activating for our brand, but also sort of um, performing osmosis. You know, they're in in the environment with the customer, watching what's happening, kind of picking up on trends. And then when they come back to the team, they report back to us, hey, this is what I saw. This is an interesting up and coming brand. I'm noticing people are wearing X, Y, and Z. And that can often um, spark some great ideas for our team as we go forward. It's interesting. As, as you describe that act of, of listening to the customer, getting the voice of the customer, I think of needing a, a truly analytical leader. Would you say that you're more that jump into the data type of marketing leader or more of a brand leader? Do you believe the two can exist in the world that you're in or, or how do you balance them? Yeah, I believe they can and must coexist. Uh, in, in a role like mine, where obviously we're trying to build a brand that really speaks to consumers' hearts and, and captures their hearts, but also we're a technology-driven business. And any marketing business today, you know, you have to be data-driven. You have to understand how to be more efficient, be more targeted. And so you need both. And for me, I've been pretty intentional, I'll use that word again, um, in cultivating both sides of my marketing practice and building teams that really um, run that scope from sort of left brain to right brain and then come together to integrate in, in service of the customer. Looking back on, on your CMO opportunities, this is your fourth CMO opportunity from what I understand. How have you determined what the right next step is each time? Because you know you started off with an amazing opportunity. I think the first one being Birchbox. Yeah. When do you determine looking back that it's time to move on because these companies all seem like they have such amazing trajectories yet at the same time we know CMOs don't stay in their gig often more than two three years how do you determine I don't want to talk about StockX because let's assume yeah. you're there for life yes but, but looking back how have you determined it's time to make a move so interesting. I think, you know, sometimes that decision is internally driven and sometimes it's externally driven. And I've, you know, I've experienced both in the case of Birchbox, which was uh, an amazing experience and still sort of stands out in my memory as one of my dream jobs. Um, I was there for four years. I was there from very early days, um, you know, six months after company launch. I think I was the 15th or 16th employee all the way to you know, we had scaled, acquired companies, you know, large team, lots of fundraising. And I really felt like I had accomplished what I came there to accomplish, which was helping to build the brand, helping to stand up and establish the marketing team, expand the wingspan to be a global marketing team, um, acquire, you know, lots of new customers and retain them effectively. So, you know, build a great social and content team. Um, launch a brand campaign. I mean, I went through sort of 
many of the key inflection points as a marketer, at least a, a startup marketer. And I felt like, wow, I, I did this job. I accomplished so much. Uh, my team is ready and I'm ready for something new. And, and I think that um, it was sort of a happy ending in that sense, because I felt like I left after, again, accomplishing what I set out to accomplish. I was able to elevate and um, promote people behind me, leave the team in a good place, and then go on to a new adventure. In other cases, uh, including the job I went to right after Birchbox, it was more of an externally driven decision. And it was, you know, like with, with that company in particular, like the company went out of business, right? It was like amazing, risky opportunity, brilliant failure, time to move on to the next thing, which frankly um, was also equally educational for me. I mean, sometimes when I talk about the failures, um, I think I learn more from those experiences than from the successes um, because it really taught me a lot about, you know, leadership, teams, people, who to surround myself with, how to make the next right decision. Um, and, and in coming to StockX, actually, I really leveraged a lot of those learnings about, for example, um, joining a team where the CEO was not only smart and charismatic, but a great person with strong personal values and a lot of integrity, right? Like those types of choices, um, I think sometimes become clearer as you step off the path at times. I appreciate that. That's such an open answer. And, and so, uh, it's rare to hear someone talk about their past and you know both the successes and failures and what you can learn from them. And I, and I, I can't thank you more for being so open there. We're going to keep you around. We're going to take a quick break here on the marketer's journey. Come back, talk a little bit about how content plays into building a brand, the size, the scale, and the cool factor of StockX. Want to improve the buyer journey for your customers and your prospects? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and 3M are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies, and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences. I really need to compliment Dina's approach in her reply on when was the right time to make a, a jump as a CMO. And so many of us are always tempted by a great opportunity. The next gig can be so exciting, it can be so promising. But one of the things she hit on, especially when she talked about Birchbox, was the idea of leaving the company in a position of strength, leaving them so that their next steps are as exciting as your next steps. And I think this element is so important as a officer of the company. We often forget as a CMO, we are an officer of the company. We are part of the executive team. And we should be thinking about how we leave that company in that position of strength that Dina has. Evaluate that anytime you're about to make a jump. Can you be proud of what you did just as much as where you're going? Dina, one of the things that I will not say I see often is a consumer brand embrace content the way StockX does. 
And I've been really pulled in as a customer by making these highly considered purchases with your brand and having the comfort and trust to do so. And one of the quotes I saw from you and your team is that you believe that there's a swing back to branding and storytelling and marketing. Tell us where content fits for you. Yes, content has been a critical part of our uh, marketing journey. And, and frankly, the establishment of our content DNA predated me. Uh, even our earliest marketers uh, were committed to storytelling, community building, and educating. I think those are those are three things that content can really effectively do to help a customer fall in love with the brand, hopefully. Um, but even at its least, it can help the customer make their decisions with confidence. And that too is our goal, right? We want to, of course, be a beloved brand for life, but we also want our customers to feel like they're equipped with the information they need to make the right choices as they're shopping and trading on our platform. So for us, you know, we we spend a lot of time generating content on our social channels, our own channels um, as well, so that um, wherever the customer is in their journey, they are met with a piece of the story at least. And ideally then they are progressively teasing out more of the story as they perhaps travel from, let's say Instagram to the blog, to a, a PDP or uh, from an email to um, watch a video to again, a PDP to check out. So, you know, we wanna tell a little bit more and peel back another layer of the onion um, through that journey. And some of the key, um, the key elements include editorial and, and helping people understand what to purchase, how to wear the items that they're purchasing on our platform, or even can be um, more fundamental value proposition education, like, hey, what is authentication, right? If you're not used to, to purchasing products on a marketplace where there are buyers and sellers, um, you may not understand how to determine whether you should trust the transaction and trust the platform. And so we'll educate you about the authentication process. I love that word trust and I, I absolutely want to come back to it, but I, I also want to call out how unique this is because a lot of, as I said, consumer brands, a lot of the marketing focuses often more on merchandising than it is on content. And I, I have the StockX app for those who don't have it. It's a great app. It's just fun to follow along with. But one of the push notifications that came to me just the other day was not a new pair of shoes that were dropping. It was actually, as you said, it was four cool pairs of shorts and why they're great in the summer. Something along those lines, yeah. which caught my eye in a couple of ways. One, I need shorts, but more <laughs> so the fact that you were embracing content as a push notification from a what is typically a more transactional app being something where I would just buy items. So I'm, I'm curious how often you've been able to trace that path from engaging in content to, as you said, checking out and purchasing something. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you that those lines are blurry and actually we do that again with intention, you know, our merchandising and editorial or content and sort of marketing operation teams work together on say an email or a push notification that you're getting to bring all those elements together, right? So we want great merchandising, right? We want to put the right products in there, but we want it to be contextualized with a story or some kind of hook. 
And then we want the performance elements um, as well so that we can be sure that you're going to click and convert. Um, and so those blurry lines, I think, are actually a byproduct of that left and right brain marketing that we talked about earlier coming together and integrating in service of the customer. We come back to our brand mission and purpose, right, which is, is to empower this consumer to participate in, in current culture and in their passion points and to empower them to trade confidently on our platform. I think all of these different threads work together to accomplish that. So Dina, let, let me ask you another cool piece of content that I stumbled upon as I've been geeking out on StockX. And that is a piece that you have called the snapshot. And what I found really cool about this, I think anyone listening who's in marketing, whether you're in consumer marketing or B2B, you could, you could grab from this is because you have so much traffic and so many transactions, I think it's 30 million lifetime trades that have happened on StockX. You have all this data. So taking yeah. off that left brain side and that data that's being calculated, there's these amazing infographics of sort where yeah. it really sets you up to be the expert. And I'm wondering how this became a thing, because it seems like it's been going on for quite some time now and, and continuing forward yeah. to tell what's happening in the market. Yeah. So this current culture index um, is something that we created to help surface our data, which is very robust and a key part of our DNA, right? We talk a lot about um, price transparency and data transparency to help empower the consumer. And it's rampant on the website when you're, or in the app, when you're shopping and engaging on our platform, there is data all over the place. And we thought, well, let's package this up and um, mine that data to pull out some trends and some insights that are really digestible, um, you know, almost like snacks that a consumer or someone in the media can digest and take away, really understand what's going on in the business and in the landscape at large. Um, and so this is something we publish monthly. And every time there's a different theme, a different slant, depending on sort of what our key messaging priorities are. Um, some of our recent ones have focused on, for example, global trends and products that kind of migrate across borders. We are a global platform. And so one of the unique things that happens is you have exclusive limited product, for example, that may be uh, only available in Japan, but is highly sought after in Europe or in the States. And so you see those migration paths. And that leads to some great storytelling opportunities. Um, another theme that we talked about a few months ago was just price premiums and comparing different indices, current culture indices, um, to the stock market and showing how sneakers, trading cards, and other collectible items on StockX actually outperform some of the leading stock market um, indices in terms of annual returns, right? So it's not only fun and kind of like jaw-dropping at times when you read about these statistics, but it's also, again, a great way to, to mine the data that can be overwhelming for some and um, to pull it up into these digestible bites. Very interesting. I, and, and obviously that feeds PR opportunities because you become the source yeah. for data on a category that is really getting a lot of attention. I mean, StockX to me is the go-to, but there's no shortage of competition. And, uh, you know, being the leader and having all that data definitely shows that that you have the mass volume and, and build that trust. Yeah. So I want to bring up one last piece of content that I stumbled upon. 
you know, very different than the more data side, but it's more emotional based. A number of videos that I was watching on YouTube uh, in preparing to chat with you today. And one as an example was a, a basketball phenom named Jamad Finn. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this yeah, one because there's a lot of videos. and I don't yeah. know if you can watch all your own content, but it, it's just a story. And, and I believe that that story, though, probably brings followings from different segments who can connect with the people you're profiling. How are you going about choosing what stories to profile and how to release these? to your followers. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I'm so glad you, you picked up on this one. So Jamad is, is an ambassador, um, an influencer that we just recently signed to our roster of influencers, um, and ambassadors. And, and, you know, we're pretty deliberate about the way that we bring people into the StockX family. Uh, we don't go far and wide, right? We don't sign up like infinite numbers of people to be our ambassadors. We're very, um, Planful is a word that I'll use, and and here in this case, and with a lot of our other um, ambassadors in basketball and skate in particular, we are seeking people who are different, who represent um, perhaps in a population that doesn't usually get the spotlight. Um, we've got a lot of female athletes that we've signed on, a lot of um, black athletes that we've signed on, who not only deserve a platform, but align their own values align with the StockX values of uh, representation, of giving back and, and building a legacy. And so we're trying to work together with these athletes to amplify these messages about why their stories are interesting, why they should inspire kids all over the globe who maybe look like them and um, you know see themselves. And also, um, each of these athletes has a cause that they're really passionate about, and we're going to work together to um, help them give back. So that piece that you saw with Jamad was, I believe it was our announcement video when we signed her a few months ago. And it just told her personal story about, you know, some of the adversity she overcame, some of the great work she's doing in Boston um, with, with young girls. And um, that's so important to us because, again, if you want to be a beloved brand, uh, you got to capture your customers' hearts. And part of that is um, talking about things that matter and um, issues, topics that really move the consumer. Yeah, I found it really interesting sorting through some of these pieces that you've done. And Jamad's is a, is a good example where, as you said, these aren't the most famous people. And and in my mind, you'd probably be able to land some pretty cool famous people because there's such a following around sneaker culture and mm -hmm. people who just want to show off all they've got. But these are more people in their personal stories and their style, which I think comes back to your idea of building a brand that's all about culture versus perhaps collection. Absolutely. And I think a lot of that um, decision making when we we're sort of mapping out our strategy came from understanding the customer and understanding what this next gen customer cares about. Right. So they don't just want those superficial signals. Right. They want brands and people who align with their personal values. And so this is, again, I think a testament to listening to the customer and really understanding your audience because we could have gone a different route. Right. We could have just gone for the biggest name, the, the highest profile flashiest folks out there and instead we're going for um something you know more low-key a little bit more nuanced that i think goes deeper and, and hits deeper with our customer definitely more of a connection well dina we're going to keep connecting with you after one more quick break here on the marketer's journey 
I imagine when some of you tuned into this, if you're a B2B marketer, you may have said, what am I going to learn from StockX? This is a consumer brand. But I often love highlighting companies like StockX that are ultimately a considered purchase. If you go onto their website, you'll see that the prices for items that are as simple as running shoes will range anywhere from a few hundred dollars to thousands of dollars. And as a result, these become investments and the same type of marketing is required for an investment as it is some of our B2B purchases that we see every day. The idea of considered purchase is one that more and more crosses from B2C to B2B. We are playing with people's emotions. We're playing with something that they need to believe is worth their money and their spend. And we do a lot of research. Research is where content comes in. And I think that's where Dina's approach to varying ways to connect culture to content is fascinating. Dina, we have hit on your career. We've hit on the way content's used in BioJourney. We're going to mesh those together with some quick questions for you to wrap up. And the first one is when you look at other people who are aspiring to be a CMO, what is important for them to get there? Is it being really focused on a specialty or is it being more of a generalist these days? I think to be a successful CMO, you do need that breadth um, across the quantitative and qualitative spectrum. And so um, my advice would be to, you know, you need to be deep enough across all of those disciplines, but you need to also understand the whole journey and all of the skills required. That's, I couldn't agree more. Definitely that T-shaped marketer as you describe it a little bit there. Next question is is getting deeper into content. And, and we talked a lot about the content strategy at StockX, but when someone's trying to win you over, it could be a vendor, could be, you know, a company that you admire. What is it about the content that gets you to click these days? What gets me to click? I think it has to resonate with my interests and passions. And so I'm assuming behind that there's some degree of personalization. They have to have gathered or um, inferred something about me and what I care about and then targeted me. And so I think it's, again, at the risk of being a broken record here, it's sort of that combination of the qualitative good storytelling with the quantitative being data-driven to target. I love that. So let's dig a little deeper. You lined up to my next question so well, which is personalization. And you know, for a long time, personalization was, I know your name's Dina when you log into my app. But what is it that makes something personalized today? beyond our name and more high-level details? Yeah, for me, best-in-class personalization is this combination of stated and inferred preferences. So you're taking the facts based on what I've told you with my behavior. That's the stated preference. And then you're inferring based upon uh, other data points you know about me, um, what I might like, and sort of leading me to the next preference. I love that. That gets me excited about the future of StockX because if you know what shoes I bought last or what apparel I bought last, you can start connecting the rest of my wardrobe, rest of my decisions, the rest of my purchases. And I think that's that's something that honestly I'm I'm looking to your brand for is that advice, that guidance yeah. of what's next. Yeah. Last question for you, definitely a tricky one here. As we talk about you know, being a busy CMO, and I, I know you have over 200 countries with customers, so 
I'm imagine your phone never stops. How do you pause and disconnect from it all though, to focus on your own personal journey? Well, it takes a lot of work and intention, word of the day. Uh, I used to say balance. Now I say it's a juggle, right? Because there's always one ball in the air. It might hit the ground. You know, I'll scoop it back up. But between uh, a very busy work life and, and a busy home life, um, I, I try to give myself more grace now than I did when I was younger. So I allow for those balls to drop now and then. Uh, and then I, I um, am more deliberate about taking time. And it's, you know, there are different buckets, right? It's time for work. Obviously it's time for family, but then there's me. Um, and I have to remember certainly to nourish myself in order to be able to nourish the others. Um, and so what's your go-to me time activity? My go-to everyone who knows me knows that my go-to is a workout. I mean, there's nothing that clears my head and opens my heart more than like, you know, working up a sweat and getting my heart rate up. So um, whether it's a run outside or maybe throwing some weights around in the gym or hopping on my yoga mat, um, I try to do something every day. That sounds like a great balance. So much great knowledge shared. And Dean, I can't thank you enough for being so open, so vulnerable uh, with so many of your answers. I'm such a fan of the StockX brand and all the products on there. Highly encourage people to download the app, even just to browse. It's so much fun. Uh, for everyone who's tuned in and heard Dina's story as your first episode, check out so many of the other great CMO stories. Everyone's path is unique. As you take your own journey to the CMO level, I hope one day you'll be here to share it. Until next time, thanks for tuning in and a big thanks to Dina. You've been listening to the Marketer's Journey podcast. Big thanks to our sponsors at Uberflip, who help you fuel demand generation with content for an accelerated buyer journey. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify at uberflip.com slash podcast or anywhere you listen to podcasts.